Ho. Oh, ho. Somebody say ho. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks and praise to the creator of all things bright and beautiful in this pleasant place. The trees, the grasses, the land itself upon which we stand or take our seats. It was already brought to our attention that was sitting and standing and driving on land that was once inhabited by the Piscataways. I want to broaden that acknowledgement and say that we especially remember the ones who fled or were systematically removed by a government which did not honor its treaties. We remember the Tuscarora, the Delawares, the Shawnee who lived so lightly upon this land that there was more than enough, an abundance of water and soil and trees and fish for future generations. They live in the names of the rivers we inhabit, the good river Ohio, the Potomac. They walk the Buffalo Trail that became the old National Pike Route 40. They live in the place name of Swiftwater Antietam. They live in the names of the animals found here with which they shared the land, the raccoon, the beaver, the badger, the fox, the deer, the rabbit, the snake, the turtle. Did you know this was once called Turtle Island? All that we claim as the United States, all my relations, Mitakuye Oyasin, Aho. We remember all these and thank them for their living lightly on the earth, their generosity. And thanks to you, this congregation, to you, Reverend Carl, and to you, members and friends of the Frederick Unitarian Universalist Church, for this opportunity to speak. <laughs> Many of my age, and they look like there are a few of us in the congregation, gray-haired, long-toothed, shoulders bent, wearing our little shawls and our coverings and our smile beneath our masks. Many of my age have been dismissed and uh, shunted off to the side or become obsolete by virtue of a fast-paced, swiftly shifting flow of life these days. We simply can't keep up. Can I get a witness? <laughs> We're moving off the stage and into the shadows. Thank you, God. You know? We just can't keep up. I had to run home and get my hearing aids so I could hear you all today. I forgot them. I was so excited. You know, I can't remember everything anymore. A way of thinking of it is to say we're returning to the blanket. Mmm, snuggle, warm blanket. The grandmother blanket. But, wait! I haven't been put on an ice floe yet. I'm still here. I 
am here. On the verge of completing my 77th turn around the sun. When Minister Greg invited me to come before you, I was really caught off guard. I was surprised. Honorably retired for 16 years and in recovery from 25 years of ministry in the Presbyterian Church USA. I was not trying to do that anymore. I don't play that. I told him that I don't preach and I could not offer a sermon. He said, no problem. I asked if there was anything special going on in the life of your congregation this Sunday, and he said no, but we do want to be inclusive and hear from a diverse group of people. So here I am in all my resplendent diversity. <laughs> and they said, speak to us of wisdom. If wisdom were a color, it would be gray. If wisdom were a metal, it would be silver. If wisdom were a sound, it would be a whisper, a steady flowing stream, a blanketing of snow, a murmur. If wisdom were a smell, it would be a whiff of pine needles that dropped upon the forest floor. If wisdom were a touch, it would be light and gentle and soothing, smooth, scarcely felt a hint. If wisdom could be eaten, it would be sweet, full-flavored, and deeply satisfying. If wisdom took up residence in a room, it would be a boudoir, surely, with talcum powder and lavender water. And if wisdom greeted us at the door, we could rest and rock in her arms. And they said, Wisdom, tell us what you know for sure. Well, I came before I came here as a volunteer. When the call came out from the Creator, I said, Yes, yes, take me, I'll go. I didn't have a clue what I was getting into. I could have gone elsewhere on another plane or planet. I could have come here as a tree, a turtle, a horse, a deer, a dove, a feral cat. I chose, I chose to embody humanness. Whew. And just to show how brave or naive I was, I was willing to come in a red brown body with thick, curly hair, a broad nose, and a generous, full-lipped, sassy mouth. <laughs> I was born into a family of faith who called themselves Christians. And I stand here the child of two human beings, Robert Pierre and Florence Bond Johnson, who met as graduate students 
and married in New York City in the 1940s, doing their very best they could with the tools they had at the time in their place and time. And they stand behind me in a line defined by ancestral mathematics. <clears throat> behind them stands four grandparents, William Valpont and Alice Blanche Allen Bond, who met and married in New York City in 1906. And William Henry and Maud Serena Gaylord Johnson, who migrated up from Johns Island and Edisto Island off the coast of Charleston, South Carolina. Eight great-grandparents, including the four I know, Moses and Elizabeth Woodson Allen from Virginia's Tidewater, William Oliver and Margaret Jane Hall Washington Bond, who migrated from New York City and Frederick County. Sixteen great second great-grandparents, including Levi and Caroline Virginia Smith Hall, who lived close by in Knoxville down the road along the CNO Canal, and 32 third great-grandparents, including Jeremiah and Sally Hall, who migrated with three generations from across Washington County into Frederick County. They came across South Mountain in 1839, can I get a witness, walking, <laughs> walking with a mule. She was pregnant. They had four children and one on the way. They were in pursuit of a place to feel safe and raise a family. And then behind them are 64 fourth great-grandparents. And behind them are 128 fifth great-grandparents. And behind them are 256 sixth great-grandparents. And behind them are 512 seventh great-grandparents. And behind them are 1,024 eighth great-grandparents. And behind them are 2,048 ninth great-grandparents. And behind them are 4,096 tenth great grandparents. And they are all with me in this room. I call them my posse. <laughs> 4,096 human beings over the last. 400 years of my sojourn here on Turtle Island. Imagine, if you will, you can think of mine or your own. Imagine how many love stories, how many struggles, how much back-breaking work, how many hours of hunger, how many full meals, how much land loss, how much enslavement, how much hunting, gathering, cooking, how many disappointments, how many prayers for tomorrow, how many dreams, how many hopes dashed, how much sorrow, how much joy, how many sunrises, how many full moons. How many songs sung? How much laughter? <laughs> how much despair? How many conditions and circumstances must they have had to endure to make it possible for me to be here 
today. I'm here because of them. I am because we are. I came down here below where it's not so easy just to be and it's not at all what I expected. None of us really know what to expect but we said yes because we are brave and we have courage, courage, a rage of the heart to be alive, to, to lay claim to the land and the legacy of a people, all 4,096 of us, and I am here because of them. And my life, my life is a good life. Before I moved to Frederick, I lived in Greenbelt. Anybody ever heard of Greenbelt, Maryland? I knew, I knew you would, I knew you did a cooperative town created in the Roosevelt administration, a place where people were to live cooperatively. Did you know that in Greenbelt, though it was built by black hands, black people were not initially allowed to live there? What is that? What is that? What is that? But I had a good life there in Greenbelt. And there was a little voice inside that said, Oh, but you deserve a great life. You deserve a great life. <gasps> Shh, you deserve a great life. I didn't know what that voice was saying. I, I tamped it down, I silenced it. I put it on pause. And guess what? Here in Frederick, I discovered I am the great, 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 great granddaughter of 4,096, my posse. My life is good. They say a long life may not be good enough, but a good life is always long enough. I can see. I can touch, I can taste, I can smell, I can hear the world enough to keep my bearings. And as my grandmother used to say, sometimes I have grown tall, sometimes I have grown wide, sometimes I have grown deep. And by living long enough, I've had a chance to do it all. Can I get a witness for that? And here's some of the lessons I've learned, in case you want to hear. They're the ones I'm prepared to share. I probably learned a few more that I'm not quite ready to share. Anyone have, is anyone among you here ever asked, why me? Raise your hands. Come on now, I want to see those hands. Why me? What the, why me? Felt like they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, like they didn't really belong. Everything was happening to me, poor me, poor me. Come on, keep those hands up. <laughs> well, guess what? 
when I was diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time. The first time I said, oh, why me? Why me? Why me? I'm just, I'm good. I'm cute. I'm smart. You know, I want to live. I have a, a teenage daughter and a son in college. Why me? The second time I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I said, why not me? 15 years later, why not me? If the polar bears are losing their habitat and the coral reef are disappearing, why not me? This lesson is for me and for you who raised your hands. Everything is not happening to me, to you. It's happening for me, for you. Accept life on life's terms. Assume responsibility for everything that's happened to you. Accept also your own agency, as I've accepted mine. Anyone in here ever felt used, abused, unappreciated? Try having a kid. Un <laughs> taken for granted. Parenthood is very good for that, isn't it? Made fun of, felt victimized. Then this is for you, as it is for me. Have a grateful heart. Use gratitude as a tool. Find the blessing in the curse. A few years back, I was working out at the Y in downtown Frederick. Any of you all know that place? I was a member there for several years. Some of you might have heard this story before. Close your ears if you have and don't want to hear it again. It's one of my favorites. It was eight, it's 6.30 in the morning, and I was working out. A fellow was working out beside me. We were on those, um, those machines that you walk real fast. You can set the pace. What, a treadmill. 6.30 in the morning, we were pumping it out and sweating, you know, working it out, working it out. And he said to me, how are you today, Elaine? To which I replied, I'm grateful. To which he responded with a smirk. What do you have to be grateful for? To which I answered, well, I'm grateful that you cared enough to ask about how I'm doing. To which he replied with a smirk, I didn't say I cared, I was just asking. To which I replied with a grateful heart, well, I'm grateful that you asked anyway because it reminds me to think about my blessings. Have a grateful heart. Use it as a tool. Find your blessings in the curse. Anyone here ever been divorced? Ooh, nice crew. <laughs> been broken by a relationship? Felt rejection? Been fired? Don't call us, we'll call you. Then this lesson is for you.
embrace forgiveness. For many years, I was married to a man I loved with all my heart. Met him in junior high school. I thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Who knew I was allergic to bread? <laughs> For many years, I was married to this man whom I loved like sliced bread. He made my life miserable, as I did his. We share two children. It wasn't until his dying that we were able to forgive one another. He was over there at NIH with an inoperable brain tumor. And he was literally losing his very smart mind. Very successful, high-functioning lawyer, you know. You know, you've recognized that guy. You've seen him. He enters the room and everybody says, ah, he's here. And uh, I told him on his deathbed, I said, I thought you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he said, and I was. <laughs> he said, I hope I haven't been too bad for you. And I forgave him. And I forgave myself. Because it was the only way for us to have a good death. Once we let go of the bitterness and the resentments and the tit-for-tat hard feelings and the hatred, our hearts were flooded with a love that was there from the beginning. <clears throat> Try not to wait till the deathbed. Do your forgiving while you're living. <clears throat> Anybody in here ever lost your way? Whew. And this lesson is for you. I have a brother. My baby brother, he's eight years younger than me, and he's now completely blind. It started when he was in his 30s. He had diagnosed with macular degeneration, and now the lights are completely out. He often speaks, however, of seeing things. And he speaks with such clarity that I believe he sees. Not too long ago, I was in Pittsburgh where he lives, and we were driving somewhere, and he said, um, I said, well, let me see, give me the address, I'll put it in my GPS. He said, that won't be necessary. I can tell you how to get there. And he directed me in all the turns and stops and pauses and cycling off. About a two-mile ride from home to there, with which he was familiar. He speaks of seeing things. And in a world where people are in a hurry and impatient and often rude, I said, how do you manage that? 
And he replied with an indulgent smile, well, my blindness brings out the best in people. They slow down for me. Once they realize how vulnerable I am, they go out of their way to help me. Maybe getting lost ain't so bad. If when we lose our way, we can stop, be still, allow ourselves to be lost, then wait to be found. Place your trust in something greater than yourself. I choose to call that greatness good, God, goddess, the universe, the creator, dog, good, orderly direction. Call it what you will. Yield to its wisdom. Lay your life in the hands of greatness. Give it up. Surrender. Let go. So I see you sitting here, comfortably, I assume. Let's just practice a body posture of letting go. Let your hands drop down. Put your feet flat on the floor. Yeah, no hugging on to her. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Lay your life in the hands of greatness. Yield to its wisdom. Give it up. Surrender. Leave the island of self and self-centeredness. Lay down the mirror or the selfie stick. Maybe it wasn't about you and me. Anyway, and lastly, find someone else to help. Do someone else a good turn. Lose yourself in service to another. Water a plant. Walk a dog. Visit a tree. They're elders too. Send a card. Donate your time, tithe, and talent to a cause in which you believe. The antidote to illness, the I of illness, is the we of wellness. Be of service to another. If his wisdom were a color, it would be gray. If wisdom were a metal, it would be silver. If wisdom were a smell, it would be scented like a whiff of pine needles fallen on the forest floor. 
If wisdom were a touch, it would be light, gentle, soothing, soft. If wisdom were a sound, it would be silence. She said, then placed her finger to her lips and laughing, danced away. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, your perspective, your experience, your, your poet's heart. You know, very grateful.